0: All right, I want to welcome on my next guest. We've got longtime NFL long snapper, Pro Bowl long snapper, played for the Chiefs, played for the Steelers, Mr. Kendall Gammon. Kendall, is everything going for you? Hey, going very well. Appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. So there's one more game left this year, which is – I wish there was more. Yeah. But no. um, got your Chiefs taking on Tampa Bay in Tampa, even though it's not technically a home game. It is a home game, but they can't use right. the cannons. Um, what are you? I know, I know who you, I have a good feeling who you're leaning for.
1: Yeah, you're Savant.
0: Yeah, what about Tampa concerns you? Um, the the pass rush, uh,
1: that would be something that would concern me no matter what. Let alone the fact that you know you lost Eric Fisher in the AFC Championship game, and really you've only got one starting offensive lineman. Uh, left from last year's uh, Super Bowl team. Now, Wisniewski comes back, but he's playing the right guard position, so I guess you could say you have two. But in general, the offensive line, uh, if there's a weak point in, in the Chiefs, and everybody always has a weak point. That's what theirs is. So, yeah, you've got to keep uh, Patrick Mahomes upright so he can do his, his thing.
0: Do you think it's going to sort of be like the um, Dolphins game from earlier in the season where – it's really the Chiefs game to lose. Like, because Mahomes can keep you in it, but if I, I'm not foreseeing multiple turnovers, but if that be the case, it's the only way I see it being close.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. I think that's a good take. And when you look at everything that uh, Tampa has done in the playoffs, in my mind, it's been because of the defense. I mean, if you look at last week, really, um, they darn near lost that game in the second half. And if they do, you know, the, the whole narrative of Tom Brady is through three interceptions in the second half, yada yada, yada, you know where I'm going with that. And and he's still the goat and everything. I, I get that, but it would have been a lot different had they not come out on the right end. So uh while it's unbelievable actually that he's getting to his 10th NFC or 10th AFC or championship yeah. game and and has a chance to win his seventh Super Bowl, um it hasn't been because of him and i don't mean that in a bad way i just mean i think the defense has really carried him yeah and then
0: so um you you were the chiefs radio color analyst and i um up until last year if i'm correct yeah the super bowl last year was my last game what was that like
1: it was phenomenal i mean 50 years after the first super bowl only super bowl win for the chiefs and um just you know, coming off of that uh, year before when you know we lost to Brady and the Patriots and what you know, might have been termed the coin flip game, uh, it was pretty cool to see. Unbelievable.
0: Last year, did you did you always have faith, or did you feel like all right, they give them enough time, Mahomes will come back, and then when Garoppolo didn't complete that pass to Emmanuel Sanders, you're like, all right, it's over.
1: Yeah, I, I felt pretty good about it. Um, you know, certainly you wondered. I mean. That third down uh, throw, you know, out to, to um, the wasp play to, to Ty- Tyreek, that was pretty surreal. Um, but you just know this this Chiefs team. Last year, of course, they showed it, and this year, you've seen it. Uh, is um, it doesn't matter how much they're behind. I mean, they don't get down on themselves. And Patrick Mahomes is a special player. He's a
0: special leader too. And then, and then even though last year they were the talking NFL this year, people are like, Oh, they falling off. I'm like, they've lost two games and people are like, Oh, I think Buffalo's going to beat them. Buffalo's not going to beat them. Right. And I still think people, there's still some naysayers saying like, I don't know if they think that they've kind of got like that, that championship hangover or Brady's coming. I don't see this being a contest.
1: I, I think it's a, I think it's a double digit game. I think it's 10 or more points, you know, somewhere in the, 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 the realm of 10 to 14 and, you know what, uh, I, I know the line's either three and three and a half, and I think they say they have a 52% chance to win, and, and those people know much more than I do, but from from my vantage point, vantage point and what I see, I just think, I think Kansas City's offense, or defense rather, it may not be as good as Tampa's defense, but offensive-wise, I think uh, the Chiefs are head and tails above, And and I'm really, you know, not completely set on what I think of the special teams all although I think Kansas City maybe has that advantage with McCole Hardman uh returning a kick so we'll see but uh um you know in a normal year I think the home field advantage might be a little bit more but this year I don't see it as big a deal
0: yeah because I don't know how loud these doctors are gonna get I feel like they're gonna be clapping very like kind well of like, absolutely so well you, you- I mean Get your everybody on. it's
1: it's a corporate game. I mean, I mean, just because it's the home team, the the big thing is they don't have to travel. They sleep in their own bed, but otherwise, I I mean, this is not going to be like you know just a huge amount of Tampa Bay fans. I mean, this it's a corporate event.
0: Yeah, who is your who? If you had to choose one, who's your X factor on offense and defense for the
1: Chiefs? Oh my goodness!
0: On offense.
1: You know, I'm going to say the group of the X factor is the offensive line and how they play. And and I think that's going to be the key. Um, Probably along with that, I might say the X factor may be the two weeks time that Andy Reid had to scheme and get things ready because he knows he doesn't have a starting left tackle and he knows what his offensive line is and isn't capable of. That's one thing I think Andy Reid does a nice job of is he's able to coach uh, to the weakest link and understand what he has to do to protect it. And so... Um, if he can, I think that spells good things for the Chiefs. If not, and uh,
0: Tampa Bay can get on him, then that will be a rough one. Is there any chance, since they're letting vaccinated healthcare workers in, they can get Tardif in there? Because I feel like he's gotten the vaccine.
1: You know what? That, that, that I, I like that. Yeah. Or he should at least be giving shots
0: before the game, right? Yeah. I mean, he's, he's, he's qualified. qualified. It is a pretty amazing story, though. It's unbelievable. He's it's amazing what he's doing, and nobody's talking about it. Hopefully they do a special. They're, they're, there's gotta be a commercial with him in it on Sunday. At, they would, There better be. Yeah, yeah, they got everybody else. I guess on on Lynch's well, actually, does that, that does
1: Vegas have any odds on that? On whether it was commercial LD2? I,
0: I no, because I was talking with some guy uh yesterday uh Sam Putty. I don't even know how to pronounce It's call him Sammy P. He's like a betting guy for Fox right. Sports and Nessen. And he said, what, what do you think of the coin flip? And I said, well, tails never fails. I said, what are the odds if they, if they throw it up in the air and it's supposed to be inclement weather whether they lose the coin, because I'm all in on that. So <laughs> everybody, everybody wants to go down the middle, heads or tails. I'm like, what if they lose it and can't find it? Those are amazing odds.
1: There so, you go, absolutely.
0: Yeah, no, it's, it's gonna be, um, I, I can't wait. Do you think do you want to see the Chiefs get off to a hot start? I think I've saw I saw that Brady has struggled in the first quarter of almost every Super Bowl he's ever played in. Do you think the Chiefs want to get off to a hot start and not play catch up?
1: Well, I think you always want to, yeah. but I think the big thing is that even if they don't, um there there's no lack of confidence in the fact that they believe they can come back from anything. I mean I was part of that game. I think it was Houston when we were down. Was that the one we were down 24? I mean, on air, I said, "Listen, now, I mean, if if they can do that, then we can do it as well." And and lo and behold, that's what happened. I didn't have the crystal ball with me. Um, It was in my suitcase, but all the same, I just felt like it was a possibility because that's the crazy thing. Ever since uh, Mahomes has gotten here, you know, third and medium to third and long used to seem like something that was tough to get now. It literally, it could be third and fifteen. I'm like, okay, well, it's just either it's going to be open or it's not. I mean, throwing it fifteen yards down the field is not a lot of difference than throwing it five yards down the field
0: for this Kansas City uh, pass attack. Actually, I thought sort of a good, a good prop that I'm going to look at it. If if Tampa wins the toss, if they win the coin flip, I think they take the ball.
1: Do they, you? That that's yeah. interesting.
0: Yeah. Cause like the, the you know, if a field goal against the chiefs is not helping you Buffalo can tell you all about that. I, agree, if you, you, yeah. I think you want to put points on the board as soon as possible. That's I'm going to look, I'm going to look into that. That's interesting. And then, so yeah. w- what about a final score? You said you think it's going to be a double digit game. I, I do.
1: I, I think it's like a 34, 13, 34, 17 game, interesting. maybe 20, but I, I think the chiefs are going to score points. And I just, I'm not convinced that uh, Tampa Bay can, can hold up
0: offensively. Interesting. That's unbelievable. So I, w- I want to get into your, your career a little bit. How did you end up at Pittsburgh state? And the only reason I'm to be honest with the only reason I know what Pittsburgh state is, is I read an article about John Brown about eight years ago.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He, we are we're pretty proud of him. I and mean, we're with the bills now and, Um, He did some special things. He was a senior there when they won the national championship in 2011, which was actually, and I was at that game. That was actually 20 years to the day of when I won the national championship or was part of the national championship team with the or with the uh, Pittsburgh state gorillas, by the way, um, down there in Florence, Alabama. So he's a special player. Um, He can flat move. And I appreciate you bringing up Pitt state because that is uh, one endeavor that I do. I'm the assistant to the president there and I've been involved with them for 13 years uh, on official status and just love it. And, uh, you know, uh, I'm a homer to them. But in general, Division II football, I think, is really uh, a a hidden gem and and something that I think a lot of people can enjoy. You know, you don't have all the stars all the time. I think it's more so you don't have the depth. But, I mean, you can have a a starting 11 that that can really do some good things.
0: Absolutely. And so how did you end up there? Was, Was playing professional football always a goal of yours?
1: It was, you know, it's interesting that you asked that. So um, I was asked to walk on as a preferred walk on. I think I got invited maybe to uh, Nebraska. I took an unofficial visit to Notre Dame or whatever, but you know, the the, the, the the message was all the same, which is you can walk on, but you, right now we don't feel like you're you're aggressive enough. And they were right. There's no doubt about it. Um, and really Pittsburgh State and Washburn University and the MIAA were the only two uh, teams that offered me Partial scholarships in Pitt State. When I went there and visited, it just seemed natural. I loved it. And I was able to develop there. And um, it's interesting people think because I played in the NFL as a long snapper for 15 years, I must have been doing this since before I came out of the womb. Yet, it wasn't until my third year in college that I started long snapping. I was just curious with what was going on. I got caught. Somebody realized the coach wise that I could do it better than anybody we had. And all of a sudden they said I had to do it. I wasn't no part of it because I was an offensive lineman as well. I'm very proud of it. I was all league my last three years, all American my senior year. I was about 280 then i, I grew to about 310 uh as the heaviest i was in the nfl and so you know big guys don't want to run down the field so i wanted no part of it until um somebody told me you know you you're pretty good at this and you could make a living at it and i was like mm, well let's uh, let's think about this a little bit and so um, from then on we went after it
0: and then i said you said you you won the d2 national
1: championship what was that like it was phenomenal um because it was that goal that we set every year you know it's interesting When I was at Pittsburgh State, um, I was part of a uh, 55-game regular season win streak. I only, uh, the first four years I was there, my redshirt year, and then my next three years, uh, we were undefeated and we lost in the playoffs. So I didn't practice after those games. Then my senior year, we lost a game uh, early on, but we won the national championship. So literally... In my five years there, I practiced after one loss my entire career, which I don't think a lot of people can
0: say is a pretty cool deal. Were there any, because I'm not this familiar with a lot of the D2 schools, were there any future players in the, the pros that you played with or against that you played, you matched up against while at Pittsburgh State?
1: Well, yeah, it's kind of cool. You think about it. Um, so I was, a, I was an offensive guard and I thought I could block, but I had Ronald Moore running behind me who played in the NFL for 10 years um and then we had ronnie west who was a, a draft pick by the vikings and uh, both those two guys were the harlem hill uh winners which is the equivalent of the division two heisman trophy oh, cool. junior and senior years. so those two guys were drafted um i think both in the seventh round maybe and then i was drafted in the 11th round i.e a free agent these days um <laughs> Uh, The year after me, Troy Wilson, I forget what round he was drafted in, but he was a, he was a defensive end and he played uh, for the Super Bowl champion, uh, San Francisco 49ers. So there's four guys on that national championship team that got drafted. And then one guy before us um, was a defensive back and he was drafted in the third round by the. Uh, Buffalo Bills so uh, we put out a lot of guys there for a while and of course you got John Brown you had Brian Mormon who was a 12 or 13 year veteran who punted for the Buffalo Bills so we've had some guys in there
0: I'm pretty sure the Patriots took a guy last year as D2 safety um well
1: um Daryl Wren ended up being there um but uh I don't but he wasn't drafted by them and then when you look at it um, also oh what is his name um We've got a defensive back also who he was on he was on the practice squad for the Philadelphia Eagles when they won the uh, the Super Bowl and then he played for the Bears uh, this year I think also and he's been with the uh, Broncos as well so um, you know we've had we've put a few people in there and it really just goes to show you that no matter what the level if you can play yeah um, uh, they're going to find you yeah it's it's filled with dreams if you build it they will come. Did they have the do did do did the go to the combine when you were or did you just kind of have a pro day? Yeah, Zach. Actually, uh, I was the first combine. I was I was the first long snapper ever invited to the combine. That's awesome. Um, so that was a pretty cool thing. I was actually yeah. the first long snapper uh, ever added to a Pro Bowl roster in 2005 awesome. as well. So um, I'd like to think that I made my mark a little bit in the yeah. 15 years, um, and I'm very proud of that. But yeah, uh, that was a pretty cool thing. I didn't know it at the time. I was just happy to. To get an invite to the combine because obviously that exposed me much more i went in there as being uh somehow considered the third best long snapper in the nation uh, of all uh uh, divisions and then
0: when i came out it's when they had me ranked number one that's awesome so what was your what was your whole draft process like what did they did they say you're probably most likely to be a later round pick or what were they telling you yeah, they, they
1: they 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 thought so, and and you know of course me ever being the the optimist, I thought I'd get drafted in the seventh or eighth round, but I got drafted in the eleventh round, and um, and back then they had twelve rounds. So in, interesting fact, um, and, I, and I like to have fun with myself with these things. But the Pittsburgh Steelers drafted me, and back then they had a little uh, uh, just kind of a tradition. Eleventh round, twelfth uh, round picks—they're they're not that important. Very rarely do they make the team. They just kind of fill out the roster in, in training camps. So. Uh, Steelers had a tradition that they would let, uh, let uh, the late Myron Cope uh, take the last couple round uh, drafts. So I wasn't even drafted by the Steelers. It was the radio announcer who drafted me. Now they had missed the playoffs a year before because of a bad snap. So I think he really knew that's what they were looking at and they were very interested. But uh, when it comes down to it, I wasn't drafted by the Steelers per se.
0: That's unbelievable. How many people do you meet when you tell me you went to Pittsburgh state, they'd say where in Pittsburgh is that?
1: Um, Quite a bit. Uh, I, can, I can. Yeah. I, I mean, um, I, I don't don't have enough digits uh, to, to count that. You know, it's kind of funny. They, they use the H there. Nowhere else do they use it. And it's funny being drafted by the Steelers. Um, when I would talk to people afterwards, I was either in Pennsylvania or I was in Kansas because I could never be in Pittsburgh because people didn't know where the hell I was at. So um, but it, it was pretty, pretty interesting deal
0: and then so you so you uh, you said you're 11th round pick so you said did you so what was that like uh kind of like first training camp like were you like you have kind of a chip on your shoulder you're kind of you looking behind your looking behind yourselves to, to make the team what was that whole thing like
1: yeah first training camp honestly was hell and I think it is for a lot of guys because you know especially back then it was six weeks I mean I think you had three weeks before uh for before training before the the uh, preseason game started but um, I knew I was in a good position, uh, because I knew I was the best long snapper there. They had another guy in there who had been in the league for a few years, but, um, he, he did okay, but just, he just wasn't up at my level. Uh, that being said, I was a rookie and, you know, you had a rookie head coach in, uh, Bill Cower, who, you know, he, special teams, especially snapping, kicking, punting, you know, the fate of the game can, can fall into that one play, uh, each and every time. So, uh, to trust it to a a rookie long snapper. They were going to have to make sure I was ready. And they played some mind games with me uh, during it that were very, very stressful. But that being said, I, I owe my career to coach Cower for one real big reason, which is he thickened my skin. He taught me how to deal with, with adversity and deal with people getting on me to where, you know, literally you, you could say anything to me. And it just wasn't going to affect me anymore. And, and that's a good thing. Um, so, uh, I, I was very fortunate. He 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 was good for me. So
0: for so for somebody that is not a big football fan, or for somebody that's coming to watch Super Bowl or out of the country, I don't know. I, I, somebody in Germany watches this. I'd love to meet them. Can can you explain to me like I'm five? What is a long snapper?
1: A long snapper, basically, you throw a piece of aired up leather between your legs as fast and as accurately as possible, and they pay you for it. As I always say, only in America can you do that and and get paid for it. But, yeah, okay, so for field goals, you snap the ball. For me, it was eight yards. Some people do it at seven or seven and a half. We did it at eight yards. uh, Snap it to the holder. He sets it down. Kicker kicks it through the uprights for a PAT or a field goal. And then punts uh, the heels of the punters at, at, at 15 yards. And I'm snapping it. Then I'm trying to block somebody. Then I'm trying to go to, uh, run down the field and make a tackle. And you know, that's, that's easier said than done. Because with the exception of the punter, uh, I'm you know, by far the worst athlete on the field. So as I always like to say, um, I kind of took the sheepdog mentality, which I would, I would try to uh, flush them to other people and let them make the tackle. Because I feel like tackles are showy. Um,
0: so I like to, to give those to everybody else. Were you doing like trick shots and stuff? I actually know one of the, I, I played, I, I didn't play well. I played a rugby at Towson. Um, okay. And one of one of the kids on the team, um, I'm actually I told him, I, I was interviewing you. He came, he, I'm pretty sure. I don't know if he had a scholarship, but he was originally the long snapper at Towson Sh- shout oh. out to Mike, Mike Morris. Cause I know he's watching this tomorrow. Oh. And he did a, he had a pretty successful YouTube video of him doing like trick shots as a long snapper. Did you do anything similar to that? Like to, like to practice or how, how do you, how do you practice? I did,
1: snapping? but is this the, was this the Mike Morris that played in the NFL or is this, I think he hopes
0: so. No, it's, no, it's no, not. No, okay. Because there He's was a, there
1: was actually a long snapper named Mike Morris who played for Minnesota. So that's that's kind of crazy. But, but he called that. himself superstar and all kinds of things. So no, I did not do any any trick shots. People asked how long I could I could uh, snap it or whatever, and I'm just like, you know what? I really don't want to practice anything that I'm not going to do in the game. So I know I can snap it 15 yards, and I can I, I know I can snap it really quickly. The ball moves about 43 miles an hour there. Um, so I do know that. You know, For field goals, it's funny. When I came in the league the, the, uh, with the Steelers, the, the kicker at the time was Gary Anderson. He'd been in 15 or 16 years. He was a pro bowler. He'd been all pro also. And he noticed that I could do this pretty well. And so he comes up to me in this little South African accent. And he goes, hey, uh, uh, Kendall, um, could, you, could you snap the ball to where the laces are out every single time so they don't spin and I don't have to see them? I'm going to tell you right now, Zach, I thought he was smoking crack. I was like, what <laughs> are you talking about? Uh, I mean, and so he explained to me that if the ball could just be sat down, he didn't have to see the laces. It'd be just like he was kicking off of it when it's just sitting there and it allowed him to be more successful. And I'm just like, well, sure. I'll, tr- yeah, I'll try. I'll, I'll, I'll give it a, a whirl. And so I started working with, uh, the holder who was a punter, Mark Royals at the time. And, and it took a few days, but I finally figured it out of, of how to spin it and. You know, I would think I was one of the first guys who started snapping where the laces were out all the time. You know, we don't—maybe you don't remember, remember because you're young, but you know, you had Ace Ventura laces out, damn! I didn't want the deranged kicker, you know, chasing me because he missed the game-winning kick in in the uh, Super Bowl. So, I just got to that and, and started to hone my craft, and you know, did a little research on it and found out that the ball actually rotates exactly three and a half times before it gets there, and and it's it's basically. facilitating the success of the kicker, therefore facilitating the success of the team, and, and I kind of take that as, you know, some of my taglines on my emails, or if you see on my social media, I'll say laces out. Well, it's helping make others be successful. That's what I'm about when I speak, because I speak inspirationally all over the country on, on uh, retainer for some businesses where they, they take me into their leadership courses and talk and, you know, I share some stories and whatnot. And, and really, that's what we try to do as people is we try to help others be successful. And that's what I was trying to do. And I know that was a long answer to a very short question, but um, you know what? I've been hitting the head a lot. I have a all right, question. mount rushmore of Long Snappers. Who's your who pick your four? Oh my goodness. Uh, Mike Morris is probably on there. Blair Bush. Um uh oh um John oh. Dornboss? What's that? John Dornboss. Um he 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 probably is. Uh certainly for what he did afterwards you know John struggled early on believe it or not in his career with with some things and then um, I I feel bad I'm forgetting his name but it it was the guy who played 17 years that I'm friends with out of Chicago and and I'm not remembered he played at Duke Um, but uh, you know I I think those those four I can't remember his name I I feel bad he's he's gonna kill me when he he sees this because he's actually working they're in the process of getting a long snapping award for college, and I think it will be named after him, but they've got to do it over a five-year period. And and the guy, he's got a, he's got a beer named after him uh, in Chicago, so I think that's a great thing. But I'm going to take them out Rushmore, and I'm going to take it five people because, um, you know what, it, it's not in a cocky way, but, but I believe I had a, a little yeah. bit to do with
0: it also, so I think there's five of us. And so, so you, in addition to long snapping, you did play offensive lineman. I saw you sometimes did uh, snapped, uh, took some snaps at tight end. So, did you have to practice everything?
1: I did. You know, my whole career uh, up until probably about my last three years, where we we got a bigger practice squad, and they were they were very scared of me hurting my hands because at that time, um, uh, you know, long snapping had become a complete specialty. I mean, when I came in the league, there was only two specialists: a punter and the kicker. And you very rarely had just a long snapper, if at all. I could back somebody up, as you mentioned, an offensive line or tight end. Yeah. So that's what helped me. But when I came out of the league, every single team has a long snapper. And to this day, they still have long snapper. And, and even if a guy could play another position, the fact is over 16 games, your hands get beat up. And it's just too important of a play to, to leave it to the hands of somebody who's got some other things going on and maybe sees it as more important. But. Um, Help me out. Uh, what was the question?
0: I don't even remember. That's a good answer. I don't remember. I don't remember. The, um, I don't remember what I asked.
1: Yeah. That's see, th- that's where I, I don't go. remember. Yeah. I get was, for tangents sometimes. Yeah.
0: no, Yeah. No, that's interesting. I completely lost my train of thought. Um, so I wanted to, ask, so, oh no, I was asking you about the different positions you played.
1: Oh, yeah. OK. Yeah, so yeah. I was an offensive lineman and I played I played some meaningful snaps even during my rookie year. But, you know, all the way up through eight or nine years, I played some snaps here and there. Clean up. Sometimes I was a backup so I could help save a roster spot. And then actually during a year, I went from 310 to 275. And then two years after that was to 250. And that's what I played about the last four years of my career in Kansas City. I was a backup tight end. Um, I backed up a couple guys who, and, and ultimately I backed up Tony Gonzalez, hall That's of famer. Awesome. Now, yeah. Tony Gonzalez and I uh, were carbon-based forms of life. After that, our DNA diverged greatly. So uh, <laughs> the things that he did, I could not do. And in Pittsburgh as a center, I backed up Dermonte Dawson who was a hall of famer also. So again, um, carbon-based forms of life. Other than that, our DNA was completely different, but um, you know, I did some things when I got in there. Then I always ran scout team uh, during the week. So I was always doing uh, plays and trying to help out the defense.
0: Who are some of the quarterbacks you're blocking for?
1: Um, Well, first of all, blocking uh, could be defined loosely by me. But um, (laughs) some of the QBs that were on the teams that I was on uh, with the Steelers, you had Bubby Brister was just transitioning out and you had Neil O'Donnell, uh, Jim Miller, who ended up going to the Bears for a while also when I was with the saints, Jim Everett was there. And then, um, we tried to corner the market on Billy Joe's and we got Billy Joe Tolliver and Billy Joe Hobert. Uh, then we also started the career of Jake Del home. was a good friend of mine. And oh, cool. I of course, went might on be getting might be
0: coming on. I've been talking, I know he's with the, the Panthers and I've been talking with somebody hopefully because I know he's an undrafted guy. He's an amazing story. Yeah.
1: Jake Jake's a good dude. And you need to tell him hello for me. If he is, Oh, uh, he, he had a nice career there at Carolina, of course, went yeah. to the Super Bowl with them, wasn't yeah. successful. Then I came to Kansas city and the first year was Elvis, Elvis Gerback. And then the next, uh, the next six years were with Trent green. Oh, cool.
0: That's yep. unbelievable. That's unbelievable. And then, so as a, as a long snapper, did you feel you had, you, you had like no job security or were you just kind of looking over your shoulder? Like, all right, I gotta be perfect. Or they're going to let me go. How, what was I, felt that? Like
1: I had no job security. Absolutely. We, we, really. we all do. Even a couple of years when I actually did, I still felt like I didn't uh, because it's just the way it is. And you know, the contracts in the NFL are not contracts. It's a little bit better now if you get some upfront money and things like that. But back yeah. then, you didn't get very much, certainly not long snappers. And so yeah. it was really a what have you done for me lately. And so you put a lot of pressure on yourself to make sure you're doing it the right way. And, and um, you know, it, it's a tough one. I remember I subluxed my shoulder my rookie year against Chicago. And subluxing means that it comes out of socket, then it goes back in. I finished the game. But I'm going to tell you right now, on Sunday and Monday, that sucker was sore and I'm rehabbing, you know, and on Tuesday, they have me come in and they're like, okay, you rehab, you're moving around. We got to see you snap because we got to know whether whether you can play this week or not. And so that's that's tough. And you know, fortunately I was able to play through it, but if I don't, you know, I may get cut and, and I may never play again. So, I mean, that's the, that's the reality of the situation really in the NFL. I mean, because it, it doesn't matter how good you are. If you're not available, if you're, you're not healthy and if you can't stay healthy, they've got to move on because the number one most expendable uh, thing in the NFL is players. I mean, they come and go and you yeah. you go get a new one if that one can't play and that's not anything bad about the NFL. That's just the nature of the beast.
0: Yeah. So, so if you, for, let's say for a game, let's say you, you get injured, who, who's emergency, who's the emergency snapper? They just get the punter out there. They're not the, punter. Um, it, it's uh,
1: it's rough. You know, when I was with the chiefs, um, I don't remember who it was with, before me with the Steelers and the Saints. It really was not nobody. you never had I always joke about it when I speak was I always trying to make the first team snapper yeah. because the second team snappers they have a different they have a different uh, a protocol where they get to go home and they get to sit on the couch and watch the games and not get yeah. because there is no second team snapper. Now when I was with the Chiefs, a guy uh, drafted in the late rounds um, by the name of Jared Allen out of Idaho yeah. State I believe, Came in, might be getting the uh, Hall of
0: Fame on Saturday. So yeah, just
1: a second here. I mean, I'm, that's what I'm getting to. Is is um, they're 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 talking about him and and they're very excited. They're like, you know, we got him. We think he can we, he can play a position and long snap. And of course, that was a threat to me. I remember him coming out and no matter you know they're always people are always trying to take my job. So I was nice to everybody. I talked with everybody. And, and Jared's a great dude. But He's out there. And we're snapping, and he can snap okay, but really, the more he snaps, the worse he gets. If he does it without thinking about it, he's fine. Um, but as I watched him move around and everything, I remember second and third day, I'm like, dude, you're going to play in the NFL a long time, but it is not going to be as a long snapper. I said, I've I've literally, I don't know if I've ever seen an athlete like you, your caliber, I mean, a full 6'6", six, six, can bend and get around the edge and can run and play forever. And he did something that not many people know about that, which I think is the most unbelievable thing, which is in a vermilk practice, we were down defensive lineman and he took every rep uh, for the starting team and he took every rep for the practice squad. I mean, that was going against our offense. So he played the entire time and he just went after it. And he's a thoroughbred, he's a good dude. And um, I forget, they'll announce,
0: is he getting into it's the, the honors? I think that, I think he's in the finalist. The only guy I know's previous guest and is Leroy Butler who already told everybody he didn't get in even though you're not supposed to do that. But he's I think he's got a chance. Like he's he's made the final ballot. I think they I think five guys get in. Manning's a lock, Woodson's a lock and I think that a good Yeah, absolutely. The
1: air. And I and I thought that he was on the final battle, ballot. Yeah, he, is. he doesn't get in this time. He will get in. Oh, yeah. he's, he's getting, what, is he maybe the fourth leading sacker? But um, yeah. I, don't, I don't know what it is, but but he's way up there and he's got to get in. I think there's no doubt at some point in time. Now, a little known fact about Jared, he and I are good friends. Uh, his time here in Kansas City is I actually am the one who helped come up with his sack dance. Because if you don't know, Jared is a cowboy. He likes to ride horses. He likes to rope. Um, he has, he used to own a bull in, in the NPR National uh, or the, the, whatever it is, uh, rodeo, I'm, I'm saying the wrong things, but anyhow, he's involved in it. Uh, but we're out there. He had gotten, he had gotten fined or warned because of a move he did after a, a, a sack one time where he hit his, where he hit his leg. It, it was a, it was a wrestling thing too, because he loved wrestlers, but the NFL said they saw it as sexual or something. I, I don't know. I don't get it, but we started talking about things. I'm like, well, you're, you're a, uh, you're a cowboy, and you you know when you, when you rope and you you go to get them and you have to go up there. You 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 tie up their three legs, and then you you put it up like this. And that's exactly what Jared ended up doing. The rest of his career, when he get a sack, he would go down on one knee, and, and it was like he was tying the legs up, and then he would be like this to show that he was he was done. And so, um, it's something that not many know. Probably something that not many want to know. But
0: the fact is, you're watching. You know it now. I have a question. So you obviously played a lot of amazing, talented athletes, that I'm sure probably said, "I can do your job as good as you," and couldn't. Who's the guy that probably the most well known or probably most athletic guy that when he tried to snap, it was the worst thing you've ever seen? Oh, oh, they're, 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 we don't have enough time. <laughs> so many
1: guys, you, you, you can't imagine how many people um, would be trying to snap when I would come out there, and and it, it, it was be, be a dose of humble pie to him. We're like, I. I, I don't know how you do this. I mean, it makes no sense. And they try to snap and you would know, be a rainbow and whatever. And it's, it's pretty funny. Now, obviously their skills were phenomenal, but yeah, I, I can't, I I don't have enough digits again to, to name how many people came out and tried to snap.
0: They're like, I can't do that. And I actually, I actually interviewed um, coach for meal. Um, what, what was it like playing under him? Because he's one of the best coaches of all time. He well, needs to hear his name getting to Canton soon.
1: Yeah, absolutely. He, he's one of the greatest and, and yeah, a great coach and just a great relationship person if that's the one thing that i think about when i, I talk about coach for is the relationships that he builds with his players and how important it is to him i mean he wants to win worse than anybody and and there's there's nothing wrong with that obviously but more importantly he wants to make a difference in people's life and 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 he's there for people the rest of their life i mean he's around a lot of players who have not had the greatest upbringing and he wants to be that father figure for them if if that's something that comes in, into play. I mean, I always say it, which is in the NFL, um, it's a violent sport and violent people don't grow up in Beverly Hills. They grow up in violent places. And so um, he, he likes to be a mentor to people. And he, he's just, he's got a special place in my heart. I love the fact that in the off seasons, he and Carol would have different position groups over and he would cook steaks and we'd have some wine and we just get to know each other. And that's something that you just don't see that often
0: uh, in the NFL. Because I know I was talking to Dante Hall, and I said, "Can you tell me about the conversation when Dick Vermeil told you you're going to Scotland?" And he, he went off, and I I made I made some good jokes, but it was he was like he's like he said it changed his whole career. And like, hey, Vermeer, Coach
1: Vermeil and and, and Dante, I know because Dante was a teammate of mine. They oh, cool. have a really special relationship, a very close relationship
0: to this day. I mean, I think I made a joke. I said, "When when you were getting ready to go to the airport today, you have to bring your own kilt?" Or something like that. He's <laughs> no, that's, that's and then I know one of the things like when I was talking to um, because for meal something he said is very interesting because he was portrayed in the Invincible movie with Mark Wahlberg about Vince Papale, and he said they didn't do all their homework. He said when they portrayed him, they they used the opposite hand as his dominant hand. They like, apparently they didn't ask him. So that, that was wild that he remembered that. That's, that's unbelievable. Yeah. So so I have a question. So how how did you get into uh, broadcasting? Your radio career, you know, how did that happen?
1: You know what? I was already a speaker. I w- so when I came to uh, uh, Kansas City, um, I, I went to the local sports station. I talked to the number two guy who was kind of a cohort of uh, Jason Whitlock at the time. And I just said, hey, oh, wow. did you think you guys would be open to me being doing an internship and trying to learn some stuff? And would you be mind asking Jason? And so Stephen St. John, who has his own show now to this day, um, he said, well, I Jason to see. And so they got back with me. They're like, yeah, you can come in on Tuesday. So literally Tuesdays are days off. I would come in at 5:30 in the morning. And, you know, for, for a few weeks, I got their coffee. I, you know, I had, you know, they had fun with me and whatever the, what they, they asked to do. And I did it. And then they started bringing me on for 10 or 15 minutes at a time. And that turned into like an hour on Tuesdays and more. And then I asked for my own show. And so, uh, the last, six years that i was with the chiefs and then probably three or four more years after that i had my own monday night show that that then segued into a thursday night show at one point in time it was a two-hour radio show where the last hour was uh, simulcast on on uh, local tv here on the sports channel so uh, that's how i kind of came to be with it and then you know the chiefs radio network just uh, approached me the second year that i was retired and asked if i wanted to come on the sideline and uh be the, the the sideline voice and I thought well you know I've had the best internship ever I used to stand on the sideline watch the game and talk the entire time so this will be no different for me but I did that for nine years or eight and a half years and then for my last three and a half years I was in the booth so I, I went in there and I took over for uh Len Dawson when he he retired I, I never say replace because does nobody he still do a few games. I heard,
0: I, heard he, I still heard he does does he do preseason still Is that, no what's that does he still do preseason
1: Oh, no, not at all. Oh, he doesn't oh, anything.
0: oh, oh interesting. Yep. So did you have
1: more fun doing sideline or in the booth? Uh, the booth was, was probably more fun. Uh, the sideline was more unique because it was, it was the view that I was used to having for 15 years. But the sideline was more involved in everything. And I could help relate the game a little bit more to
0: uh, the, the people and the listeners out there. Was is there, was there in, in, in your entire, for your career in radio and be on the sideline of the booth, is there any player other than Patrick Mahomes has made you like kind of just drop your jaw? Like how the hell he just, how did he do that?
1: Um, well, I would say Patrick Mahomes is the one who's been the most incredible yeah. in my mind. I mean, it's just, uh, it's not even close. The gap between him and others, um, probably the other person that, that really stands out to me was a teammate and that's hall of famer, Rod Woodson. Um Another prior
0: guest of this show. That's unbelievable. why.
1: Yeah, he's he he he's a phenomenal guy, and yeah. uh, the athletic skills that he had at that you know six two, six three, and just uh, I'd never seen uh, a, literally a body sculpted like this. That, I mean, it was just skin and muscle, and, and just then to have the skill that he had and the fearlessness and. And then really the work ethic as well and, and the understanding of the game. I was fortunate enough my last year, I guess it would have been last year to talk with him a little bit when he was doing some, some things and we ran into, into each yeah. other. And, and so we talked about Patrick Mahomes, we talked about Tyreek Hill, and he had some really interesting takes on those guys and, and, and what he thought about them. But he's definitely a student of the game. I know he's coached quite a bit and he, he's just some, he, he's another person who I think is pretty special.
0: When, when Kansas City traded Alex Smith to Washington, do you think it was a good deal for Kansas City or do you want to keep him?
1: Oh, no, it was you, – you, you knew Patrick Mahomes was the heir apparent. Um, uh, the team knew it before we did because nobody got to watch practice, but we had heard that he was tearing tearing things up in practice in the practice squad going against the first-team defense. And then, you know, going into game 16 when Alex sat down because uh, this the playoff spot was secure um, – I remember some of the, uh, uh, the staff internally for the chiefs were telling us like, get ready. I mean, this is special. I mean, this the Patrick's he, he's special and he did a phenomenal job in that game. And that was the first glimpse we really got to see how special he was. And um, yeah, it was, it was really interesting.
0: That's unbelievable. And then so um, Andy Reid finally got his first Super Bowl ring last year as a, I know he got it as a, position coach back when he was with the Packers. I learned that last night. I was not real smart about that. I learned that last night. Green Bay, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, What was it like seeing him finally reach that uh, kind of that mountaintop last year?
1: Well, I was just, just happy for him because he's a good dude. I mean, he is everything you want in a head coach. And, you know, people always ask me who I, who my favorite coach is that I played for and that'd be uh, Bill Cowher. Not that I didn't play for some other greats that that were wonderful, but the one I wish I could have played for was, Andy Reid because he's just a special human being how he deals with the players on a day in day basis I think is phenomenal he has uh so much respect for the game and how difficult it is to play it and then how difficult it is to transition after you play it uh but he's just got a big heart and then you know I liken him to Russell Crowe in um uh, beautiful mind I mean he's the guy up the window just drawing things up right and left he, he is truly a savant when you talk about uh, the play calling abilities and understanding the offense um, the only one that I really compare to him is the late Ron Earhart who was the offensive coordinator with the Pittsburgh Steelers and uh, I think he won some Super Bowls with the Giants also that guy and how he understood the offensive game I thought was phenomenal and that's what I see in Andy Reid
0: that's awesome. That's awesome. And that, that's really all the questions I really have for you. Um, how can people find you on social media? And I also saw you have a podcast. So you had... Uh- Duron Cherry
1: on recently? I did had Duran Cherry recently. Um, had Hall of Famer Will Shields. Uh, we've got a lot of a lot of folks planned. We've had you know I've had an F eighteen pilot who was a Top Gun instructor. So had the, a women's professional uh, league uh, football player who won national or won a championship and Pro Bowler. But yeah, you can go to kendallgammon.com is my website or at kindlegammon is my social media for everything except Instagram where it's at kindlegammon eighty three. Why I added it, I, I don't know. But anyhow, that's what it is and um then of course at youtube at kindle gammon because you can see those podcasts also and we go ahead and put some b-roll in there and and give a little interesting take uh, in there as well
0: all right i want to welcome on my next guest we got sports betting analyst i'm probably going to butcher this, sam penny Good, nailed for, it good you nailed hey, it so talking about for neston and fox sports sam is everything going for you super bowl is a couple days away a lot of money is going to be uh, thrown around
2: yeah, I'm looking at some of these numbers from around the world. I mean, you start in Nevada and work outward. You know, Nevada had about $158 million for the Eagles and the Patriots Super Bowl a couple of years ago. I'm a little bit concerned about the number across Nevada because of the pandemic. As we know, people aren't going to probably flock to Vegas the way they have in years past. But you've got to still think that we're going to reach around $6 billion around the world on this game. And a lot of that is illegal, as we all know. You know, there's going to be a huge chunk of that that is legal, but a lot of it's going to be with a corner bookie or in the back of a bar or whatever or in the alley or something or with your friends. But that's the number. The AGA, the American Gaming Association, thinks that we're going to hit over $6 billion wagered on the game around the world, which is
0: wow,
2: flabbergasting to think about how big that
0: number is. Yeah, that's unbelievable. And then I know – there's supposed to be some inclement weather. Do you think it's going to affect the amount people are spending or just differentiate the what bets people are doing?
2: No, I don't think so. People, once the ball gets, you know, close to going in the air, people are going to bet. You know, a lot of the handle is going to come Saturday night, Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon. Um, you know, the game's, a, I think it's a 6.30 Eastern time kick. So I would say that probably 60% of the handle is going to come from Saturday and Sunday because people like to wait. And, uh, you know, wait till the very last second. Most people don't really care to grab numbers. Um, they don't care about right team, right price. They just go, oh, football. And they like to bet. So I don't think it's going to slow, really. Anything, you know, I've already gotten a couple texts like, hey, it's going to rain maybe in Tampa. Do you like the under? I, I don't think that it matters. And trust me, bookmakers are well aware of the forecast. Um, you might see the total go down a little bit, but that'll be because people are going to come in with maybe bigger money. Um, you know, the public's going to bet the over. That's the case every year. They like the favorite on the spread. They like the public underdog, you know, on the money line, or they're going to take over. That's what they do. They like over in a lot of the props. Uh, they're going to go Mahomes homes over passing yards, Brady over touchdowns. That's what the public likes to do. It doesn't mean it's right or wrong, uh, but that's the pattern of the way people bet. The DraftKings, Kings, FanDuel points bet you see a lot of these things that they call boosters and you look at the booster and what they do is they they put it on their website or they put it on your mobile app where it says all right this should be plus 180 but we're going to give you a plus 400 you're like holy shit like that's a great deal it's probably not the reason they're boosting it is because it's probably not going to win so i would say stay as close to minus 110 as you can i prefer the plus price if you can find it plus 100 plus 115 plus 125 it's easier when you minimize your risk by minimizing your juice. But don't fall for the boosted parlay. If the Chiefs score 30 and Mahomes throws for 400 and Kelsey scores two touchdowns, we're going to give you 12 to one. Well, no kidding, because it's probably not going to happen. So my biggest advice would be, it's not so much stay away from any specific prop. It's avoid the bait. They're dangling the carrot in front of the rabbit. We're going to give you a six to one when it should have been two to one. You think they're doing it for a reason? The answer is yes.
0: What about this one I did yesterday? That's thirty-six to one. It's Patrick <laughs> Mahomes and Tom Brady to, to have four hundred uh, passing yards each.
2: Well, that's an interesting one because if it's forty-nine to forty-two, that see that's that's different. I have got
0: do- I bet a dollar to win thirty-four. I figured like. A- so, yeah, yeah
2: like yeah. I mean, the odds are certainly against you, but that's not you're not going too outside the box. now. I've seen some where you need five things to go right, and you know, Giannis needs to
0: have fifty. I goals. did that last week. That was me last week. I had no two weeks ago. I had I think it was the Bucks. Was it? No, it was the one of the games, I think it was the first game. It was the Bucks Packers. I had um, both teams will score a field goal and a touchdown in every quarter, and then I was like biting my fingernails and it didn't happen by it happened
2: i would that was my follow-up question did it win
0: no no none of my parlays ever win but but that's
2: that's the example that you have to pay attention to because when you look at a prop and you go i could bet 10 to win 360 you know that's gonna hit you know once every 40 times once every 50 times so if you do it 50 times you win it once you're still down at the end of the day and that's the math you play into but You could get lucky, I will say, because it's, you know, if it is Mahomes and Brady going over 400, that's a lot more likely than it is for some of these other realistic or unrealistic props where you need all those different things to fall and all the dominoes to go a certain way. If it is a shootout, um, you know, 400 is attainable. I just, I don't believe in Brady to throw for 400 yards, man. I, I don't see it. And I'm also a little concerned about the offensive line for Kansas City. If one more person tells me Eric Fisher's is not a big deal, not playing, I, like I'm gonna I'm gonna max bet the under on Mahomes passing yards because, they, like he last year when he didn't play, the Chiefs were four and four. That's certainly something to pay attention to. He's one of the best left tackles in football. So I'm actually from the school of I think this game starts uh, starts a little bit slower and potentially speeds up late. Remember last year the Chiefs had 10 points midway through the third quarter, and then they just kind of kicked it into high speed. And they ended up with 31. But that was a a late bailout by Mahomes. I don't think they're going to move the ball all that well, especially early in the game. They haven't played in two weeks and you have a bunch of injuries on that offensive line. So they can both throw for three hundred and ninety yards. They can have really good games, but you won't win your bet. And that's the problem.
0: And the other one I have that it can't lose is Tyreek Hill and Mike Evans to each score two touchdowns. That's I a it's buck a to win thirty four, and it's a lot of right. touchdowns. I figure you can't a dollar it's a dollar to win thirty four. Like if you lose, great. You win, you're guaranteed. You got it. So I mean, how many like, of
2: these dollar bets do you have floating two. around? Just right two. Now? Just, Just two. two. I don't like any other one. Just two.
0: Yeah. Okay, two. so
2: you have two dollars at risk to win, sure, win seventy. I'm I'm sure you can part with two dollars. I mean, yeah. that's like half of a Starbucks coffee these days, I believe. Yes. Or maybe it's- and they're
0: giving you they're giving you money every week. So like they gave me, I, I did one. It was like, I, I, I did this one. It was like, if you'd made a $2 bet, we'll give you 10. I'm like, all right. I don't know how you guys make money on that, but it works for me. So yeah. It's, and then for, in terms of like player props, I know everybody's saying like, Oh, you got to do um, Kelsey at any time touchdown. It's like, a, it, it, you're not getting good odds. it even worth it. Kelsey's been
2: bet down quite a bit. You're sort of paying a tax on Kelsey because people know that Kelsey's likely going to find his way in the end zone. I think I saw one book had Kelsey anytime touchdown minus 180 or minus 200 or something like that. But you're paying a premium on that because he's a very popularly bet player. People look at his stats. They've seen him, you know, catch that little shovel pass from Mahomes. They've seen him get balls in the end zone. So you're not going to get the value on a guy like Travis Kelsey, but that does give you value on other players. You know, we talk about the Travis Kelsey's and the Tyree kills, you know, me Cole Hardeman has very good odds to score a touchdown. Now it's less likely that he gets in, but there's a guy that has a better number, a better return on your investment. Sammy Watkins is the same. You're not going to get value on Hill or Kelsey. It doesn't mean they're not going to score. I'm just saying yeah. for the price, for the bank, for your buck, you're going to get much better numbers on guys down the page because everybody's betting Mike Evans or Leonard Fournette, or Travis Kelsey, or Tyreek Hill. So it brings value to other players on the field.
0: What about in terms of like, over under the amount of time for the National Anthem? Do you, do you ever partake in that, or do you think it's BS? I,
2: I quit cold turkey on the National Anthem. Yeah, this was, uh, this was when we found out Gladys Knight was sick. This was a couple years ago. <laughs> I think it was Patriots-Rams. And we found out that she was not feeling too hot. And we got some information that she was – sort of ripping through the uh the dry run if you will and she was and getting off the stage like she she did not want to be there so we went under that hit that and and I'm good on the anthem I don't know what to make of a duet you know it's a duet this year right
0: oh who's doing
2: it it's oh geez I I I, I forget their names I'm not great with names it's a country singer and a female um I know the weekend's doing the halftime show I know that yeah Yeah, I I don't know. Because I think it's the first time in the history of the Super Bowl where we have two different singers. So I don't know how that goes. Um, One of my favorite stories about the anthem, Jennifer Hudson, this is 10, 12 years ago, I bet under two minutes and three seconds. She got to a minute 33. She was flying through this anthem. And then I think she held free for 25 seconds. And I'm watching. I got my phone out. I'm like, no, no. You know, she just she keeps holding free, and then and I hold on the heart of the brave. Like she held those. She held free and brave. I think for a combined 30 seconds, and I lost my bet. So you're playing with fire when you're going on the anthem over or under.
0: I feel bad for everybody that's gonna be watching the game either on a stream, so they're on like a maybe ten to twelve second delay. Like I was when I was watching the ball drop this year. By my friends like Happy New Year. I'm like, What are you talking about? They're still talking, and then at 1:03, all of a sudden the ball drop. I'm like, oh, This is bullshit. There twelve. That would I'm really, gonna... you know what? That would really mess you up too if you're on that bad
2: of a delay. I would advise against live betting. <laughs>
0: yeah. Would. Yeah. No, the one that threw me off a couple of years ago I was working, and it was right after they turned the clocks back, and the my for some reason my Twitter used to be in Pacific time. And my phone was in a different time, and the computer and the thing was wrong. And I'm like, all right, I don't know where I am right now. I like, think this is this is crazy. Um, so wh- what for? So what? All right, so before I let you go, what are two bets, two different either props or bets you like that, regardless of how much the number moves in the next few days, you think it's worth uh, putting money down?
2: I'll give you three if that's cool. Um, I went yeah. first quarter under. First half under, those are sort of correlated, plays into the logic that I think these teams are gonna start a little bit slow. In fact, three of the last six Super Bowls, Brady's been in a game where it's been 0-0 after one. Uh, Did it against the Seahawks, the Falcons and the Rams. He's just a slow starter. In fact, I don't think he's thrown a first quarter touchdown pass in any of the nine Super Bowls. I think I saw that the other day. So that's interesting. I like the first quarter under 10 points. I like the first half under 27 and a half points. And then my favorite prop, I think I've played this in six or seven straight years now, and it's hit more times than not. Longest touchdown. It's always a big number, usually close to 50 or 49. But the books have gotten smart because the wise guys have hit the under. People love big touchdowns. They love returns. They love punt returns, kick returns, screen pass to Tyree Kill, 70 yards up the seam, whatever. You can have that. I'm going under. I went under 47 and a half yards. The average touchdown in the Super Bowl is like 10 yards, man. Maybe there's a long special teams one. I'm betting against it. I'm going to short it. I like under 47 and a half for the longest touchdown.
0: Who are you taking money line?
2: Tough here. Got the Chiefs before the season six to one. So every situation is different, right? I mean, if I didn't have skin in the game, I'd probably be all over Chiefs minus three. But I'm in a position now where I can take that Chief six to one ticket out of my back pocket And I can, if I wait, I might be able to get a three and a half on the Buccaneers. So I could take plus three and a half, have the Chiefs to win, and it could land one, two, or three. I hate laying though, like on the money line, I hate laying 160 to win a Super Bowl. Um, So just for the price, uh, it is Brady, you know, the defense, very good defensive line and a pretty decent linebacking core. Plus 145, pretty decent pop on the Buccaneers. I think this game, you know, could go either way. I don't really like the side or the money line. Um, but I guess at the price, if you want to give me, you know, a hundred bucks and want me to turn it into something, I'd probably take the dog on the money line, even though I'm hoping the Chiefs win the game.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I can't wait. Hopefully the rain's not too bad. Hopefully... There's no cases. I no more. I heard about some haircut fiasco they had. Hopefully that doesn't happen again. Just wait. Just wait. But the guy do you was appreciate in the you- He was in the chair. Apparently <laughs> he finished it. They, they, they put up a picture of him, half of it. He said, no, finish it. He, he, pulled, the, he pulled the Kirk Cousins, if I die, I die. He didn't, he didn't care. Um, but yeah, it's, I, I can't wait. Um, how can people find you on social media? Keep up with some of the stuff you're doing with ness and with Fox Sports.
2: Sure, you can just go to twitter.com/spshoot. That's like shooting a basketball. I have one question for you, though. It's the most pressing question when it comes to the Super Bowl: heads or tails. Where are you going?
0: Tails never fails.
2: Tails is actually won 53% of the time. Just be careful when you shop around for your coin toss. Don't lay 108 or 105. Some of these books are offering plus 100 or minus 102. Every cent matters, especially on the coin flip.
0: Is there like an odds that like it's never gonna just go straight down the middle that they like they (laughs) lose the coin? They lose that they lose the coin. It's like we can't find it. It's raining. We can't find it. It's gone. Yeah, pterodactyl. Great odds. Great odds on that. Yeah, new coin or what else?